Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. We have an incredible show for you this week. The main event is a rising star in the custom playing card world. We discuss how she got into designing playing cards, the process she goes through, and a lot more. Emily Slights is my guest. Nick Lacapo stops by the show to discuss the feature part of the week from Chris Funk. Before all of that, we kick things off with one of our quickfire segments where your favorite magicians tell us their favorite effects, but to give it a sense of gravitas, I put them on a five-minute clock. This week, artist, genius, and all-around wonderful human, Tobias Dostal, joins us for the top five under five. Tobias Dostal, thanks so much for joining me on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the top five under five. Give me your top five tricks in under five minutes, and they can be in no particular order, but for the sake of order, let's start with number five. Go for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, this is like a good question, though, because the... I love tricks that are really going in your everyday life. Yeah. You know? So I'm, if I look, think about it, it's really, uh, you know, my, my stuff I'm putting out, you know, it's mostly into, into everyday things. So I'm going like optics, for example. Optics is one of my Op- things I'm always performing. <laughs> if, if people are listening to this have never seen optics, what Tobias does is he borrows your phone and then he gives you his phone and he has you record it. And then suddenly your phone vanishes and you realize you're holding your own phone. You did this to me three years ago. Ah, uh, yeah. And it, it was, it was like you hit factory reset on my brain. I couldn't, I didn't realize I, it was amazing. It's an incredible trick. Yeah, it's, a, it's an experience, and I really, I'm, I'm mostly hunting for experience magic where yeah. you can involve the spectator, like open your hand, and something is yeah. happening there, because it's at the end they really have to feel something. They can watch yeah. you, but I mean, it depends. There are like things that go perfectly in my pocket. I have it every time with me. So optics is in there. Yeah. So like, what would yeah. like number four be? What's four so? is oh, that let me think. You know, you know, sticky situation. You remember this one? That is such a fun where you like you chew up gum and then chewing it, gum and then suddenly it's back and yeah. This is so visual and it's so so great because it can come out of nowhere without yeah. introduction. You know, yeah. I love this one. Um, what else is in my pockets all the time? Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to yeah. number three. This is yeah. stick, I haven't thought about sticky situation in a long time. Oh, it's such a good trick. It's a really beautiful thing, yeah. and it's it's really also from how you can work it in your hands. It's yeah. like it's really good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think just if I perform cards, I would always go for a two-card Monta thing. Two-card Monta is a, a yeah. great trick. I mean, yeah. it's like, I think a lot of more experienced magicians don't think about it because it's one of the first tricks that we often learn. But when you come back to it, there's it's really well-structured routine. Totally. And also, it's not about this, oh, you choose a card and I find it back. Yeah. There's something else going on. It's, yeah. like, it's again in the spectator's hand and there's an experience going on that that is so surprising. And they have like some little twists on it. So, yeah. yeah. As a, so that's a great number two. Give me number one. What's 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 number one? Oh, number one. I mean, this is not like from the ranking, but I feel yeah. like yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no ranking, but yeah, just yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would always if I perform uh, silhouette, for example, my Ooh. my shadow trick is yeah. it's it's playing so big and it yeah. can be also in close up. So I've, this is also something I'm carrying all the time with me. Oh, uh, silhouette is another one of those like it's a great experience just seeing somebody manipulate shadows. In yeah, a, it's, it's an atmosphere you can create that yeah. is like. It goes away from a particular magic thing because it becomes something bigger. You, you become a shadow player. There's another yeah. art form suddenly yeah. in there. So, That's, Well, those are five great tricks. Thank you so much for, yeah, for sharing those with us. Thanks so much to Tobias for being on the show. A few seasons ago, I had an incredible conversation with him about the intersection of art and magic. It's well worth the listen. 
on to the main event. In the world of playing cards, there are people who use the cards and the people who make the cards. We've talked to Kevin Raylick before, but he's an in-house producer for cards of Cards for Penguin, so he's got a slightly different perspective. I thought it was time to talk to an independent creator, and there's no one generating more buzz right now than Emily Slights. Her Nebula, 11th Hour, and Cold Case playing cards have set the playing card community on fire. As of this recording, she just won three awards from Portfolio 52 Deck of the Year. The Lighthouse Beacon Deck won Best Fan, Holographic Nebula won Cardistry Deck of the Year, and the Crime Scene Evidence Bag for the Cold Case took third place for Best Extras. I grabbed some of Emily's time via Zoom, and now you get to join our conversation. Emily Slights, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm really excited to talk to you, because first of all, happy birthday as we record Thank this. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, very kind of you to take time out of your, your birthday. Um, but I wanted to introduce you to our audience because you are one of this growing number of people, and I would argue that you're sort of on the sharp end of this, of playing card producers. You are creating your own designs. You're, you're getting them backed on Kickstarter. You're working with the USPCC. Um, I know uh, our card guy here, Kevin Raylick, knows about you. And I'm going to include a link in the show description to your website uh, because... I mean, for my money, you're making some of the most interesting custom <laughs> decks of cards out of there. The, Thank you very much. The Nebula cards are just beautiful. Um, let's start off with how did you get into designing your own playing cards? So I do want to say, because I say this in everything, I don't do the actual graphic art. I work with two designers. Okay. So they handle the art. So B playing cards, he started Nebula, mm -hmm. and then... Twilight decks, and then my friend Ahad dot design. Those are like my three designers. Mm -hmm. um, I draw it the best I can, and then I send it over to them, and they make it happen. Mm -hmm. But I don't do the actual art for my decks. Okay. But I got into cards years ago. It's kind of a funny story. Um, my first boyfriend came over, <laughs> and he did two card tricks. He did Biddle, and he did two-card money. <laughs> and those are the two tricks that I still do to this day. But after seeing those card tricks, I was so interested in cards and magic and sleight of hand. Mm -hmm. So that's when, when I got into it. It was probably about 2017. Mm -hmm. But I didn't make my card Instagram until 2018. And that's when I really found the community. And so you, what was the, what was the first step towards making your own deck of cards? I mean, like, I've been doing magic for 20 years. And I'm a pretty highly specialized card magician. And I've never even thought about creating my own deck. <laughs> You should, you've won amazing awards. Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's in, it's really interesting. What, what, what started your path down designing these cards? Well, I mean, like, I mean, not, you just said that, but like producing, was, yeah. producing, what was the first step? So my first deck was 11th hour. Mm -hmm. It was a marked deck and I came up with the marking system and I showed it to my friend at the time, Bill Davis, mm -hmm. and he helped me perfect the marking system. And he was the one that actually he guided me through the whole process mm -hmm. because he did a deck before me. Mm -hmm. So I'm very happy that I had his guidance because if I had to do it completely alone, I don't know what I would have done. It's people don't realize it's a very complex project. What, um, walk us through what a project would be like. So first I think is definitely getting the design done. I think getting the design done first is very important because the next step, at least to me, is to get a quote from the printing company. Mm -hmm. So whatever company you print with, you send them specifications about your deck. So if you want foil on the tuck, if you want custom carts, mm -hmm. um, it could vary the pricing. So you want to get the most accurate pricing. Mm -hmm. So getting a quote is definitely very important. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people go the Kickstarter route. I'm trying to lean away from that recently. 
Um, but Kickstarter is great for people that are just starting out. So I tell everybody that are doing their first deck or first few decks to go through Kickstarter. Seems like uh, a lot of people doing their first decks go through Kickstarter because it's like a low, it's a low risk. Like if you basically no risk. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't meet the, you know, you can sort of do all the exercises to get towards production, but if you don't sort of get your minimum dollar amounts, then and you don't owe anything <laughs> <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I, th- I think you're minimizing a little bit the, the work you do when working with your designers because you said that you sketch out these designs. So it's not like these things I are... try. It's not like... The, try. I mean, working with designers is something important. I mean, as, I'm, as I've been working on like my notes and stuff, like I work back and forth with uh, various layout artists and I go, hey, I kind of want this and I'm kind of an idiot who can barely draw. Uh, so, <laughs> Me too. But, but being able to translate that vision to an artist is probably a skill that you've you've learned to develop and hone yeah so i still come up with all the themes Mm -hmm. um for people that don't know my cards almost every deck that i've done the theme has or the design has a theme of strength happiness positivity Mm -hmm. those are themes that i like to portray in my decks because i've heard that it helps people feel less alone and to some people it's just a deck of cards sorry to interrupt but this week the show is brought to you by executive clip from chris funk nick lacapo join me via zoom to discuss this incredible switching device nick i'm doing more and more parlor shows these days and i think that i need to add like a prediction that like, prediction yeah that is like hanging out like in the open especially if i could like <laughs> put it in a jar maybe do something with like a bill or a playing card all right i got something i mean i know i know you're just kind of leading me down the path here uh <laughs> there's a there's a great trick uh a device by chris funk called the executive clip and the executive clip is a oversized uh, bulldog clip uh, I know you know what I'm talking about. It's mm-hmm. one of those clips that you use to clamp paper together. Yeah. But you can, you could fold up anything you want, like a bill or written prediction or a playing card or anything. And then you clamp it in the clip and you can have it, you know, isolated, like in a jar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what this does is 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 when, when it comes to the time after whatever the audience has said, maybe they've thought of a playing card you would approach the clip and then take the folded playing card that's been in full view the entire time out of the clip and then you unfold the card and it is indeed the audience's chosen selection. And not because it was actually in the clip to begin with, it's because this clip cleverly switches one thing for another. So whatever is in that clip and vanishes the second that you touch it and is replaced by whatever you need it to be um and this is a a great it's just a great device and you can use it for more than just simple things like predictions i know uh if you ever come to columbus ohio that we have a a physical brick and mortar magic shop where you can come see all of the penguin products and i know the guys who run the shop like to keep an executive clip out and they'll do a sign card to impossible location with it that is just gorgeous it's it's really a utility device that you can use both close up on stage parlor kind of wherever it's uh it's a really fascinating device that's well worth everyone checking out. Yeah, it, it so it's it's an improvement on the the original Ostin clip, mm-hmm. which uh, did exactly what we we're saying. But the big the big advantage here is that you can the the limitation on the Ostin was that whatever you were placing into the clip had to already start there. Yeah. Right. So before the show started. 
the playing card is already in the clip. With with the executive clip, you can place whatever you're going to put into the clip in in full view into the clip in front of the audience before the trick starts. So it's a big um, it's a big improvement to the original clip. And the way that it works has also been improved with modern materials that weren't available when the original Ostin clip uh, was first created. So it's a, it's an advancement at, at all levels. Executive Clip by Chris Funk. Check it out. That was Executive Clip by Chris Funk, available at penguinmagic.com. As always, the loyal listeners to this podcast receive 25% off the feature part of the week when they enter a special discount code at checkout. This week, that code is SWITCHCRAFT. That's SWITCHCRAFT. S-W-I-T-C-H-C-R-A-F-T. All one word for 25% off Executive Clip by Chris Funk. That code is only good for Executive Clip and only good until the next episode of this show airs. Now, back to my conversation with Emily Slights. Um, For people that don't know my cards, almost every deck that I've done, the theme has, or the design, has a theme of strength, happiness, positivity. Mm -hmm. Those are themes that I like to portray in my decks because... I've heard that it helps people feel less alone. And to some people, it's just a deck of cards. But to some people, they actually mean a lot to them. I, you know, it. I think that that's a really beautiful sentiment because it is. sometimes it is more than just a deck of cards. I mean, like when I'm... I was doing this Instagram live teaching thing for quite some time that I hope to start doing again. And every time I wanted to use a different deck of cards to sort of like just spice it up. And like, and I would grab ones that like spoke to me. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. The designer card market is really fascinating and i love that you're you're trying to have this like positivity with people definitely i'm a huge mental health advocate Mm -hmm. especially men's mental health because i feel like it often goes overlooked yes yeah and i feel like this community is mostly male Mm -hmm. as we all know so i i get messages i wouldn't say every day but maybe every week people message me and say that my cards have saved their life or helped them get through a tough time wow so that means a lot to me just if i can make a difference in one person's life that is fantastic i'm so glad to hear that um when uh when you when you first set out to make a new design so obviously you're playing with these themes of uh, strength and mental health uh what do you what sort of what's your creative process as you're coming up with the theme and and how do you start to look at the uh, like the faces because you're not just doing custom back designs you're doing custom faces you're making bold choices like broken borders uh, and it doesn't seem like you're designing towards the magician necessarily just somebody just trying to make a beautiful object so it's funny because the decks that I like to personally use are decks for magicians minimalist back <laughs> design two-way back designs yeah but a lot of my designs are actually more for cardists or collectors which I find is funny mm-hmm um, when I come up with a design, the hardest part is making it two-way. Really? I, I'm a very big fan of two-way back designs. Mm-hmm. I don't like one-way back designs. <laughs> I don't know what it is. So I, the first part is trying to make the theme fit in a two-way landscape, basically. So when I tell people about, oh, I want a design, they're like, oh, do this. And they'll draw something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yes, that's amazing, but it has to be symmetrical. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't really understand how important that is, at least for me, to make it too big. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, so you're working with other people to help them bring their own designs to life now? I just started this. I posted about it and I didn't think anyone would message me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm doing this thing now where I produce decks for you. So we do the design. We do um, renders or photography if you need. I'll even make the whole Kickstarter for you wow. and I'll produce it for you. So I'm very close with different companies. So 
I have good communication with them. Mm-hmm. So I guess it makes it easier. Yeah. When you joined the playing card community, which is a whole, I think that magicians don't quite understand that there's an entire group of people out there definitely, who are fascinated by playing cards and couldn't give a tinker's cuss about magic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what was the most surprising thing when you joined the playing card community? So this is kind of a negative thing. Is that okay? <laughs> that is, you know, that's totally fine because it's, if we acknowledge negative things, we can use that to affect positive change. I've seen how competitive the community is and the individuals in the um, community are, mm-hmm. which isn't ne- necessarily a bad thing because it pushes people to be better. Mm-hmm. But I've seen people that are really interested in one type of deck mm-hmm. and then someone makes a negative comment and it kind of ruins that person's excitement. Yeah. So that's why when I tell people to design their own deck of cards, make it what you're passionate about, mm-hmm. because if you're very passionate, that'll shine through to other people and other backers. I think that's great. No, I, it's, yeah, it's, we're, we're making beautiful objects and things that bring other people joy. The, it doesn't, you know, there doesn't need to be a competition as to who can bring the most joy. No. <laughs> uh, what are exciting trends in playing cards that you're seeing? Because I only really experience playing cards that come through Penguin or if somebody gives me a deck uh, at a convention or something like that. But you're actually seeing, you know, every day you're seeing these new playing cards brought to market and what are some of the things that are going on right now that are exciting you so i've seen some decks where the tuck fans open or it opens this way or it comes in a box that fit i think that's so cool how people do that that is really cool our our, i think that the exploration in the tuck boxes is really fascinating uh I, i want to see more are you playing with any of that stuff yourself i was it's just very difficult because it's a lot of research and development mm-hmm Um, I hope to do something special like that. I've done like book covers and stuff, but those are pretty simple. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I personally don't need for like, don't have a need for a big fancy tuck box Mm -hmm. um, because my cards, I kind of want people to use as like an everyday thing. Not as much as you buy it once and you put it behind a shelf. That's an I'm I'm fascinated to hear that you want (laughs) people using your cards because so many of the designer cards I'm seeing these days are really objects for a shelf not to be used in a game or in magic yeah they're really expensive really limited and they're made just to buy just to have to say that you have it yeah but for me i want people at least when i started i would buy six twelve of the same deck and just use them over and over and over Mm -hmm. that's why i think nebula did so well because it was an inexpensive deck the Mm -hmm. tuck wasn't fancy or anything and people could buy it and they could buy a lot of them and use them over and over oh man it's it's uh, part of me. It's, it's refreshing to hear it for for someone like yourself who is self described as like you do a little bit of magic, you do a little bit of cardistry, but you're more interested in you know creating, collecting these, and producing, collecting and producing. <laughs> yeah. But like the, to to hear that you want them used, and that's and that's something you're designing towards is uh, is really interesting to hear. Um, do you, that's uh, why I try to keep them pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, because I want people to actually be able to buy them and to actually <laughs> use them. Some cards now are getting really expensive. Yeah. Some people don't want to open them. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, I, I've got, I have a couple of decks of cards in my collection that I'm just like, oh, I really want to open these up and play with them. But I'm a little, I'm a little too frightened to because of yeah, the cost of Yeah, it's scary. Uh, well, what's, what's next that you're working on? 
So right now it's in production. I actually have the prototype right here. <laughs> it's the Lighthouse Dusk. Ooh, that's very pretty. For so that's being printed right now. It has broken borders. And then my next big one that I'm super excited for is my Bloom Sapphire. So it's like a flower deck. Yeah. And the back design kind of looks like a kaleidoscope. Oh. So it's my first completely borderless design, which I was kind of nervous about. But it, when you fan it, it looks amazing. And that's actually part of a series. So there'll be a purple and there'll be a red. What are the challenges uh, as you've moved from doing bordered decks to broken border to now working on a a completely borderless design? Are you are you finding different things there that are, that are challenging to you as you're learning this? So I find that when I do decks with broken borders, it kind of eliminates the magic community, I feel like, because magicians usually like that nice, elegant white border mm -hmm. in order to do tricks and routines. So when I do do decks that are broken borders or completely borderless, I'll get messages like, hey, Emily, I love supporting you, but I can't really use this. And I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. I completely understand. Yeah. So that's kind of a struggle trying to cater to everybody. As you're creating your deck, uh, your, your new decks. One of the things I know um, just from working with my buddy Kevin Raylek on on some stuff is that the the way they print the sheets because of, you know, historically they've, they've been like, uh, you know, the advertising cards or the jokers and stuff like that. There's always like additional room on the sheet. And so yeah. a, lot of, a lot of companies have made like, you know, like Penguin designs cards for, you know, target the magic uh, uh, world. And so like all of our custom decks come with like a double facer. Um, oh yeah. What, as someone who doesn't necessarily need to design for magicians, what are you using that extra space for? So I know that if you print with the USPCC, you get 52 cards, mm -hmm. two jokers, and then two extra cards to do whatever you want with. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the time we'll do a double backer. Mm -hmm. And then for a bunch of times I took I have identical jokers mm -hmm. and I make a third joker that looks identical, but it actually has a reveal on it. So a lot of people love finding those little reveals in my jokers. Oh, get, getting back to sort of like you want people to use your cards. And so designing elements in for the magicians to, to use as well. Yes. Are you like adding Easter eggs for people to find in these cards? Just like, like not even talking about them in the, in the Kickstarters, just like giving little surprises. Definitely. For so one of my decks, Cold Case, Yeah. Um, this was the first deck I actually did where it didn't have like a deep inspirational meaning. It was just based on my love for forensics and crime scene investigation. <laughs> so that deck, people are slowly finding out, but there's a whole secret to that deck. Oh, wait, so yeah. wait a minute. This is the, I actually, I have the link up in a, another window. Uh, this is the one that you have that is... Uh, it comes in an evidence bag. Uh, <laughs> which is pretty cool. You won an award for that or were nominated for it, weren't you? I'm nominated for it for a Portfolio 52 Deck of the Year Award. That's fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. So you haven't released all of the... By the way, this is... It's a crime scene about who murdered S.W. Erdnes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... Loosely based around Erdnes. Yeah. So is there anywhere that people can find out all of the the stuff or has anyone figured out all of the things that you've hidden in it yet? Or are you just a sort of few people have my hint is to look at the extra cards that are given with it. Oh, well now, now I've got to go find <laughs> one of these decks. I mean, I, and you have to use what police use at crime scene investigations. Oh, this is so frustrating that I don't have one of these <laughs> decks in front of me to play with. 
well, uh, Emily Slights, uh, everyone go check the show description below. It's uh, for, for a link to Emily's website to see the beautiful playing cards that she is producing and, and working with others. And thank you so much for joining us here on the Penguin Thank Magic you very Podcast. much. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Thanks so much to Emily for being on the show, and thanks to you for listening. Well, we are on the other side of Magi Fest, and it was really fun to hang out with so many of the Penguin fans, especially the gentleman who came up to me and told me what a fan he is of the Desert Island Magic Books segment. And then he gifted me a copy of Card Shark by Darwin Ortiz. You know who you are, and that was extremely generous of you. I'll never forget it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next up is the Blackpool Magic Convention. I'll be running the booth, so be sure to stop by, see some of our latest products, and let me show you some really cool magic. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to like and subscribe as well as share your favorite episodes on the social media platform you've been designing cases for your show with. If you wanted to reach out to me about anything on this week's show, you're going to have to find me in Blackpool and ask to see all the little fancy cases I designed for my show. I'm insanely proud of them, and the worst part about this trip to Europe I'm about to take is that I won't have my 3D printer to futz around with while I'm bursting with ideas. But... If 3D CAD modeling isn't your idea of a good time, you can always hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic's Theater. <laughs> Sorry, the P3 Magic Studios. Practice, practice, perform. <laughs>